We begin a series on judging people today, and the tension that I hope to resolve in this series has already manifested itself on Facebook. I posted a link to my sermon series, as I already do, and lo and behold, in the last sermon series on worry and stopping it, it never caused any argument or name-calling, but uh, almost immediately after I posted this, uh, people were upset with each other. I mean, the first comment was something like, isn't it logs and not planks? Like, oh, judgmental. Um, and, and then right after that, it was like, well, people have to have standards. And then after that, it was like, people like you, that came out, people like you to somebody else. I wasn't involved. I just put it up there and stayed out of the way and said, I'll answer it in my sermon series. I'm a lot more bold when I'm up here than on Facebook. Uh, and, and so uh, this is a topic that, that really creates a level of, of tension, I think for me, it, it, the tension is really easily seen in that I've been called judgmental. And throughout the last sermon series, for those of you who weren't here, I made clear that I struggle with the sin of worry. That is something that I struggle with. But, but just to be honest, and you'll judge me after saying this, but I, I don't think I'm a judgmental person at all. In fact, I think I'm one of the least judgmental people you'll, you'll ever meet. And the truth is, like, people that find out I'm a Christian automatically kind of have assumptions that I'm judgmental. And then there's the pastor thing. Everybody just thinks I'm judging every swear word that comes out of their mouth and every bad thing that they've ever done. And I've been called judgmental even by people close to me before. And, and I really, I think that I've been called that. Uh, maybe, I, I, I'll be honest, I was more judgmental when I was younger. But I think really I've been called that because I have standards. For me, it's biblical standards. And I believe in a morality that is universal that we find in the Word of God, the Scripture, the Bible. And I believe that there is universal truth that applies to all people, whether they believe it or not. And, and therefore, I'm looked at sometimes as being a judgmental person. It's interesting as we kind of talk about this series that I think probably all of you kind of feel this conflict where it's like, if I take any stand in the current culture of our world, if I say anything is wrong or anything is absolutely right, then I'm going to be seen as judgmental. And people will probably throw in the word hypocrite too. Now, I'm not just talking about Christianity. I think that uh, that's going to be the main driving force is Christian judging and not judging and uh, what we do about sin, as I'll talk about in just a second. But I'm talking about like just in general. Like if you say that right-wing politics are absolutely right, then you're going to have a whole bunch of people that, that are like, well, you're judgmental against me. How, how dare you? And if you say the opposite, like, I think left-wing politics are absolutely right. A whole bunch of people are going to, you're judgmental, and I can't believe you, and how dare you say that I'm wrong. And I mean, for us to declare anything is right and wrong in our current world is seen as judgmental. And judgmental has become, like, one of the ultimate sins. There's, like, murder, rape, and being judgmental. And it almost feels like those three can be lumped together in our current society, like you're a bad person that hates everybody if you're judgmental. Not disagreeing that it's really bad. I'm just questioning 
whether or not taking a stand is always judgmental. And here's, here's kind of at the heart of this sermon series. At the heart of this sermon series is like this other question. Not just where's the balance between not having any, any moral standards and being judgmental, but also like how do I help people that, that obviously are hurting and struggling? For us that are Christians, that question is like, how do I help people that are sinning? How do I help them? Now, how do I discipline them? Now, how do I punish them? But how do I help them? For others, it's like you can, you can still see this. Like, I mean, parents have children that are obviously doing things that they shouldn't be doing, and it's affecting their life negatively. And, and, and it's like, how do I help them? Because if I say, hey, that's a bad idea, then boom, judgmental. You're just judgmental. How dare you judge me? Let me live my own life. Mind your own business. These are my decisions. All these things that we hear on a regular basis. I mean, if you have a friend, like this one is, is pretty common in the young 20 age. Like you have a friend and they're obviously dating a person that is bad for them and they are and this is what happens when we do things that are bad for us oftentimes uh, if I can use the eye metaphor from our from our video oftentimes our eyes become like uh, blurred by the things we're doing wrong and you can easily see this when somebody's dating somebody and it's obviously bad for them but it's like they can't see it anymore I mean, their, their eyes are just blurred by the thing that, that is really, really bad for them. But if you go up to them and you're like, you shouldn't be dating him. Oh, you hater. You're judgmental. How dare you? I don't want to talk to you ever again. You know, I mean, that happens, right? And, and the question, like, is partly how do we balance this thing between having moral standards and not being judgmental, but also, like, how do we help people without them going judgmental, judgmental, judgmental? Now, let me be honest up front. I may not be able to answer that second question because I think we'll be called judgmental, especially the, oh, those of us that are Christians anyway. But here's, here's really the trick is I want to avoid being judgmental. I want to help you avoid it. We may still get called it, but I want every time that we're called judgmental for us to be able to go, no, I'm not. I mean, <laughs> nope. That's a, I know that you're using that as an excuse. I know there's a problem, but, but you're wrong. And so my hope is like in this sermon series to help you know how to help others without being judgmental when they are blinded by the sin, the wrongdoings, the stupid stuff that they are living out. And this is, I think, I mean, I hope, I hope, I mean, we all worry. And then the last series is like, man, I feel that. But I think probably if you were going to, if you were going to ask me to do a sermon series, maybe, and this was actually one of the reasons I'm doing this, it's like, it's like, how do I balance this? Because as Christians, everybody's like, you're judgmental, you're judgmental, you're judgmental. And I'm just saying, I think something's wrong. And I don't feel like a judgmental person. And I really think, I think that the Bible gives us this difficult, balanced, hard to live out, sometimes a little bit gray and not black and white, solution to this problem that, that we are facing more and more. And over the next four weeks, and, and this is really more than any other sermon series, 
you're going to have to you're going to have to try to hear all these and you can always go to our website and find the sermons after they're posted if you miss one but this is like this is a really difficult sermon and that if i just preach one of these passages then i think i misguide you on what the Bible says as a whole. And I think that one of the big problems in this issue, this area of Christians being judgmental and what that looks like, is that people just pick their favorite verse out and then they are like, well, here's what the Bible says. Do not judge. Judge your own self. Call people out in their sin. And if you take one, you can easily be like, well, look. It just says this. But that's dangerous. That's always dangerous with the Bible. It's always dangerous just pick a verse and then create theology out of it. Like, well, I told you, we're supposed to kill every woman that ever commits adultery. It's right there in Leviticus. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, you should have read the rest of the Bible. You know, and, and, but that's a dangerous way to live. And that, more than maybe anything else, more than killing women who commit adultery, I mean, this is a topic where people just want to pick a verse and be like, gotcha. I mean, here it is. I can yell at you all I want because look what it says. I never have to talk to you about your problems because look at what it says. Hey, mind your own business because look at what it says. And so I I just caution you, even as we go into this, this is going to be, this is difficult. The answer to the question like, what is judgmental? What does the Bible say? What is not judgmental? It is not easy. It's very difficult, in fact. But I think we have to, in the next four weeks, try to take a comprehensive look and determine when we say something to people about their sin, when we don't say something to people about their sin, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the other aspect of this that I, I know is, is really, it's really difficult coming into this sermon series. And as soon as judging pops up on the screen, you got like, you got two sides, and I think it depends on how you grew up. You have one side of people in our room that have, that have grown up and just been a part of judgmental culture, and you were children, and you always thought that everything you did was wrong, and people looked at you, and, and you felt judged, or maybe it's just society and the people you've been around, or maybe you remember high school, and, and it's like, those people judged me because I wasn't good-looking enough, and those people judged me because I, I weighed too much, and those people judged me because I was into different things. Or maybe it's a church culture where you, where you just like everything you did they're like hey that's bad that's bad you're bad you're bad and you just grew up feeling like this then then as soon as you see judging come up you're like oh this this pastor is gonna try to say it's okay to like judge people and this is exactly what I didn't need to hear on this topic and so you come with like we all I think come with this baggage on the other side there's people who have just seen like how no rules, how, how just kind of having parents that never told you right and wrong, how having friends that just kind of did whatever they felt like by going to a church even that was like, oh yeah, don't worry about it, you're all right, and never called you out. And you look back on life and you're like, I wish they would have said something to me. I wish they would have given me some guidance. And, and now this guy's gonna say it's, it's you know not okay to judge, but I've seen how that just led me down a path that was really, really bad and never gave me any direction at all. And you come with this baggage. And the other part of this, and I know this is, we've all been judged and it sucks every time. Right? I mean, who's like had a look from somebody and you know like, eh. 
I get that from my wife every time I put the wrong shirt on. Like, you know, that look right there. Like, what? And I'm like, what? You don't like it? I'll wear it anyway, usually. But, but you know that look like when you walk into a room and, and you're just not the right type of person to be in that room. One time I had in seminary, master's degree, somebody look at me and say, you think you could be a pastor with the way you look? Man, I've just studied seven years to do it, so I really hope. (laughs) And it's a bad feeling, right? I remember that. I was giving a speech, and it was like a question and answer, and it's like, I'm being judged. I'm being judged right now. Or if somebody's called you a name, then all of a sudden, like, you know, like, that that feels bad, and that's judgmental, and and that hurts me. Or if you had parents who were just mean to you, and and, and you've been judged, and, and we don't like it. And, and I want my hope, I just, I know this is super duper duper hard and it's partly my job to help you with this as I go through this sermon series, uh, but, uh, but you got to try too, you got to try too, and you got to kind of put the baggage away and say, okay, I know I've seen it done wrong, but I'm not just going to run to the other side. I know I've been judged and it hurts, but I'm actually going to let the Bible kind of drive what I think and believe about this. If you're not a Bible person, you're not a, a Christian person, then, then for you, I, I, you aren't going to let the Bible drive what you think, and I get that. But at least like, try to be open to, to the ideas, because I think that in the Bible, we may have like the only good solution that's ever been written to this tension between having no standards and being judgmental. Here's the other part, big one. I think it's a really important topic because, because there's two things that Christians are always called, and I've been called them. We're either judgmental when we take a stand or hypocritical when we don't take a stand and we just kind of do what we feel like. And everybody that doesn't want to be a Christian, that wants to reject people like me who love Jesus, who follow Jesus, are either going to call me hypocritical because I say, oh, I don't follow the Bible. I don't do what the Bible says. I don't live out the principles of the Bible or judgmental because I do and I call other people to do it. And and the world, the number one excuse, I guarantee if you get to the heart of every person who's rejecting Christianity, who knows about Jesus and the story of the Bible and is rejecting it, like the number one excuse if you get past all of the, well, you know, science and uh, politics, the number one excuse is, well, Either Christians are just so judgmental or Christians are just so hypocritical. I knew this guy, he was a great Christian, he worked with me, and then he, had, he just left his wife for another woman. Or like, yeah, I had this guy at work, and every time I had a coffee mug with like a band on it that uh, has cuss words in it, then he just looked at me like I was horrible. You know, I'm never going to be a Christian because they're so judgmental. And just to the Christians, we, we need like the balance because we, if we want to reach people for Jesus, if we want to meet our goals in this church to baptize people and our ultimate vision to baptize people every single week, then we can't be judgmental or hypocritical because the world is just going to reject that outright. They'll never even get to Jesus if the body of Jesus, the representation of Jesus on earth, the church, is judgmental or hypocritical. And so let's put away just kind of the baggage 
And let's look at this. Pretend we don't have it all figured out because most people think that they have it all figured out when they come to this topic. And let's just for four weeks, let's explore what the Bible says. And we'll begin with the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, 1 through 5. And here's how Jesus begins. Do not judge. Boom, baby. Let's get out of here. We're good to go. Like nobody judge anything ever. And this is a happy moment, right? I mean, don't tell me what to do. I'll do what I want. Mind your own business. Jesus said it. This is like the key. People that don't know anything about the Bible know that this is somewhere in there. Well, doesn't the Bible say, I've actually heard this said out loud. Doesn't the Bible say not to judge somewhere? Yeah, it does, right in front of me there on my iPad. Like, uh, and, and this is like, this is the, the trump card for a lot of people. Like, you're like, hey, you know, I really think that girl's bad for you. Well, the, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't judge me, so mind your own business, pal. Or somebody like, hey, you're sinning. Mind your own business. Or, hey, this is a really bad idea. You know, like, you probably, you probably shouldn't do this, and I, I just... It seems like you're going down the wrong path and that you're putting yourself in a difficult situation. Oh, you're just being judgmental. Do not judge. The Bible said it. Jesus said it. It was not even, it's just not just the Bible. It's like Jesus said it. Do not judge. Now, here's the difficulty. This word judge has like a really broad meaning in Greek, the language the Bible was written and, and, and it really means to divide or to separate. And that's kind of the, the etymology of the word is not to divide or separate. And so, therefore, you can see how that kind of trickles down to come to a decision to judge like guilty, not guilty. You're kind of making a decision there uh, or to pronounce final judgment. Judge can apply to analyze or evaluate as well as to condemn or avenge. And in the Bible, let me just, this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. But in the Bible, it is clear that Christians are supposed to both analyze and evaluate the lifestyles of themselves and of other people who are Christians. But it is also clear that we are never to offer condemnation towards people. Now here's the word judge is normally in the Bible used the most specific meaning is for God's final judgment when Jesus as we believe in the Bible because of the Bible will come back and then he'll sit on a throne and he'll make a final judgment about people you are a Christian you are not a Christian the Christians you go to heaven the Christians you don't go to heaven and we'll answer for everything that we've done and the only good answer for those of you that don't know will be I've been washed by the blood of Jesus and and so the most consistent use of this word a judge is is for that when Jesus will come back and God will judge people for eternity. It's the way Jesus uses it most often. The task of Jesus, the theological dictionary of the New Testament says, is continually to impress on men the seriousness of this judgment and to awaken fear of the judge. It goes on to say, There must also be a readiness to show mercy to others in the preaching of Jesus, reception of forgiveness from God, and granting of forgiveness to one's brother because they are inseparably connected. And so the Bible is like, hey, don't judge because God will judge, but you'll be saved by the grace of God. And so who are you to offer condemnation condemnation or punishment? 
I just, I just, let's just get it out. There are three things this doesn't mean. Let's, because already the excuses just can come to the brain. And, and this would be like so many people that I have on Facebook's favorite sermon. I guarantee I got family members and friends that so far they're like, that's the verse. That's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Do not judge. I don't know where it is, but that's my favorite verse. But here's three things that it doesn't mean. And the Bible makes this pretty clear. It does not mean that we are not to make judgment calls. We're kind of idiots if we don't make judgment calls in life, right? I mean, wouldn't that be really bad advice by Jesus? Like, hey, that guy's got a gun. I'm going to go talk to him. You know, like that's a bad judgment call. Like that's a stupid thing to do. Hey, there's an earthquake. Let me get under something that looks like it's going to fall. I mean, that's like idiotic, right? And Jesus just in like one more verse after our passage today says this, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Jesus says, be smart about who you tell the gospel to. Now, you should be trying to get everybody to accept Jesus and love Jesus, but you don't want to go around saying, here's the story of Jesus to everybody, because some people, and you got to make a judgment call here, are just going to mock you and make fun of you and make fun of your Savior and your Lord named Jesus. Jesus says, hey, make a judgment call about when and to whom you share me and my story with. Matthew 7 Same passage, I mean, same chapter, 15 through 20. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, likewise, every good tree bears bad fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus... Check this out. By their fruit, you will recognize them. You got to make a judgment call about people that are teaching the Bible to you. You should make a judgment call about me and whether what I'm saying is true on a weekly basis. By your fruit, you will know them. Now, here's the other one that's really important. Do not judge. Jesus does not mean don't have a moral standard. I don't think I need to explain this for any lengthy period of time. The Bible is full of statements that show us that God has a moral standard for humanity. And then number three, the third thing, and if you're, if you're a note taker, you should write these down. What this does not mean, Matthew, uh, don't point out the immorality in others. Matthew 18, 15 says this. Check this out. It seems so contradictory. If your brother or sister sins, go point out their fault just between the two of you. Well, that feels in our current world and how we treat the topic of judging, judgmental. Hey, you're sinning. That seem weird. So Jesus can't be saying, don't point out the faults in others. Don't show others that they're doing something stupid. Don't just sit back and let somebody date the wrong person or do the drugs or be a bad guy to the people around them. Say something to them in private. So the question becomes, how do we take this? And given that word for judge, here's the two things that I think this really means. This is what I think Jesus is getting at the heart at, at the heart of. One, don't decide who is good and bad. Isn't that a big problem? Isn't that where we take the, the big step forward? Like we can see something is wrong in a person and then somewhere inside of us, because we're human beings, that sometimes have a tendency to be judgmental, we take this step and we decide, well, you're just, you're doing that thing 
And so you must not be a good person. Now, where judge says don't separate, don't make a decision, and I think one of the things that we are not allowed to make a decision about, according to Jesus here, is whether a person is good or bad. And we all have these things, don't we? Don't you have like a thing, like a thing you don't like in certain people, and if they're this way, then you kind of decide that they're not a good person? You're like, well, they interrupt. I mean, that's a simple one. Like, they're interrupters, and so they're, eh. I can't really, I can't trust those people. Or they're dishonest, and, and, and that's something that's bad, and you should say something to people that are dishonest, maybe. But, but like, you're like, well, I don't like dishonest people. Have you ever said, I don't like, and then you've included some type of person after it? Then I think you're breaking the rule that Jesus is setting before us, do not judge. We must not make a decision Because of something in somebody's life about who is good and who is not good, who is bad. And this is a big deal. If we're not going to be judgmental, even according to Jesus, then we must not be people who separate in our minds the good and the bad. Us Christians, I think we do it with the gospel sometimes. We're like, well, that person's just too bad to talk to about Jesus, and that person is you know, because of, I don't know, their tattoos, or I hope we don't have that in our church, or, uh, you know, the things they talk about at work, or whatever, and then you're like, well, this person, they seem nice, you know, so they're a pretty good person, and Jesus is like, just saying, don't do it. Here's the other part. Don't punish. It is never, ever, 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 ever our job in this life, or the next to punish people for the things that they do wrong. Some of you want to do this by like not talking to people. Like, well, if they just keep doing that, then I'm not, they're not invited to my house anymore. They're not going to be part of my Christmas party if it's a family member or whatever. Well, if they do that, then I'm giving them the cold shoulder. If they do that, I'm going to yell at them. I do this in my marriage, to be honest with you. It's so easy to feel like it's my job to, to punish Bren for the things that she does wrong in some ways. I don't like spank her or, you know, not talk to her, not invite her to the Christmas party or anything like that. Uh, but sometimes I feel like it's my job. Well, if I'm just angry enough for a little bit, she'll get that she shouldn't have done that to me. If I just, you know, pretend that I don't know she's home right now, then, then somehow I'm punishing her and that's my job as husband. She does it to me too. Just so you all know, <laughs> don't judge me. Uh, and we have this tendency to be like, in somewhere deep inside of us, like it's kind of my job to, you know, get that person punished. Jesus, I think, in this, this use of the word judge is saying, nope. Don't do it. It's not your job to punish people. So let's get this in our heads. If you don't want to be a judgmental person, this is a great place to start. Don't decide who is good and bad based on any criteria, and don't punish people. Jesus continues. Gives us a reason, a pretty good reason. Or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now this probably points to an eschatological, that means end times, time when Jesus comes back, the very end of the Bible, the end of the book of Revelation, at the very end. It probably points to that. 
that God is in some way going to look at our sins more harsh if we are more harsh in the way that we judge people and less harsh if we are less harsh in the way that we judge people. But almost after this sermon had been written and I was almost done with it, I heard another pastor point out the fact that nowhere in verses 1 and 2, the end of verse 1 and 2, does it say that this is actually referring to God. The one that judges us back is not actually referred to. And I think that one of the driving themes in the end of verse 1 and verse 2 is is really the golden rule, if you know it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I think that Jesus is saying to us, both with other people in mind and with God at the final judgment, when you approach a person about the things that they're doing wrong, when you treat a person in a certain way because of the things that they're doing wrong, then do it in a way that you would want others to do to you and that ultimately you would want God to do to you when you stand before him. I mean, do you want God to like give you that look like you put on the wrong shirt? Like, can't believe you did that. And then, you know, work on punishing you forever. Or do you want God to be gracious and merciful towards you? When you mess up and you do something stupid, do you want people to come and be like, man, you're stupid. I can't, be- I can't believe we say that a lot as humans. I can't believe you would ever do this. I just, I can't imagine that this is the way that you would be. Or do you want people to treat you with kindness. Say, I get it, man, I've messed up too. See, Jesus like takes us back, do not judge, don't punish people, don't decide who's right and wrong, but when something's going wrong in somebody's life, treat them the way that you would want to be treated. Judge them in a way that you would want to be judged. And that goes back to what it actually does mean, the things that, that, are, not, that are, are implied don't make judgment calls. It doesn't mean that. So when you make a judgment call about somebody else, do it with kindness. Do it in a way that you would want to have a judgment call made about you. When you have a moral standard and you want to talk about that moral standard, do it in a way that you would want others to talk to you about their moral standards. And when you point out your fault in, some, a fault in somebody else, do it in a way that you would want them to point out a fault in you. This both gives us a reason not to be judgmental and a great help in living that out. Follow the golden rule. I mean, it was on my math, in my math class in middle school, for crying out loud. And, and I think it's just a good principle that everybody likes. So follow the golden rule. Then Jesus goes on and he gives us this parable that shows us why we have no right to be judgmental. Here's what he says, Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
Now, Jesus was a carpenter. His dad was a carpenter. And so this metaphor, would I just like that, that Jesus used a metaphor that he just would have grown up kind of understanding and uh, getting. I mean, he would have had splinters all the time as a kid. He probably had splinters in his eyes. I'm, I'm not aware of this as a fact, but I'm pretty sure safety goggles weren't invented when Jesus was doing his carpentry work. And, and, and so Jesus like gets like splinters and he gets logs and he gets planks. And so he uses this metaphor. And there's a couple of things that I, that I really want you to notice. First, he says, brother's eye a whole bunch. And this is really going to be the driving force behind our our sermon next week. Jesus is talking about two Jesus-following people here. The Bible is going to show us quite emphatically that it's not our job, except for to lead people to Jesus, to help people out of their sin that aren't Christians. But we'll save that for next week. But this is about brothers. This is about brothers and sisters, people who follow Jesus. And he says this, basically. You can't help a person whose life is blurred by sin, whose life is blurred by doing wrong, bad stuff, if you have giant bad stuff in your own life. I mean, the metaphor is pretty clear, right? It's like you see a guy with this in his eye, little problem, he's not doing a good job of living life, he's dating the wrong girl, he's doing the wrong stuff at work really difficult to come along and be like, hey, I'll get it out for you, man. I got it. And pretty hypocritical too. Like, hey, just uh, hold on a second. You, uh, that, you're messed up, dude. Like you have serious problems right now. That's a problem, right? I mean, Jesus is being funny here in some ways. He's actually kind of telling a joke to make his point. I mean, this makes that other thing that I can't even find right now because I just dropped it look absolutely ridiculous. And there's a couple points that need to be made here. First of all, sometimes the people that are most judgmental are people that struggle with the very same thing in themselves. Have you ever noticed that truth? Like, even in yourself, like when you are bothered by something, it's a lot of times because you struggle with that something. I grew up with a pastor, and I feel like he talked about not committing sexual sin, and then it turned out he was committing a lot of it left the ministry and never returned to it. You see, it's really easy, I don't know why, but it's really easy for us to see the small versions in other people when we have these giant versions in our eye. It's really easy to just be like, wow, that's disgusting, when we know how much it is affecting us and how disgusting it truly is in our life. But Jesus is saying you can't help the person while the log is still in your own eye. Another thing it points to, and I'll come back to this, it points to our need, our giant need for the grace of God. If we're going to help others, then we must not think of ourselves as better than them. We must think of ourselves as people whom God loves despite our problems. And then this, it is sometimes the sin, oh, excuse me. The other one is this, that, that it's really difficult, and I think this is just so good, to get close enough to somebody and to be real enough with somebody and to have a relationship with somebody enough if we have giant sin in our lives to be able to call them out on their own sins. I mean, like, if you have a giant sin in your life, it's hard to, like, be like, let's have a relationship that's deep where we can share things with each other so that I can actually help you. Because you don't want to share about this giant thing that is going on in your life. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says... Remove the plank, okay, 
and then help others. Doesn't say remove the plank and then get judgmental. Like, oh, look at me. I got no problems now. Like nothing's wrong with me. I got that plank out of my eye. He says remove the plank so that you can help your brothers remove the speck from their own eyes. I I mean, the first thing that we really think about this as Christians is like Jesus died so that we could remove all of our sin from our lives. And, and so a big deal is coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, Jesus, I need, I need your help. I need forgiveness. I need you to save me. Or I need you to forgive me once again because I have messed up. Jesus says, remove the plank from your eye and then you can see clearly to help other people. He also throws in the words, you hypocrite. And I want to point something out here today. Hypocrite does not mean what people think it means. That gets thrown around. And people that aren't Christians that have never read the Bible love calling Christians hypocrites because they know it's kind of a biblical word. I mean, you never use that word other than like biblical circles, right? I've never like said that to my friends as like we're playing a video game and they do something I don't like. Like, you hypocrite, you know, like nobody, that's not like normal language, but it's in the Bible. And so people kind of have attached it and just been like, I'll throw it out because I know Christians aren't supposed to be that. It's in the Bible. And And so they use this word about Christians, but let me just point something out. A hypocrite, the word means like somebody who plays a part. It was a a word that was used for actors in Greek culture. Listen to how Jesus uses it one chapter earlier. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Matthew 6, 5, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Matthew 6, 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. You see, this hypocrite means that we are trying to pretend that we are something that we are not. We are trying to look good in front of other people. And this is, it just makes me so upset when people just label me a hypocrite because I'm a Christian, because here's the truth. I am not a hypocrite. I am a sinner saved by Jesus. And I believe that it is impossible to be judgmental when we say, okay, here's the deal. I've had giant planks in my eye. I have made so many mistakes, but the only thing that has got them out of my eye is that Jesus has saved me from my sins. You see, judgmental is when we walk around like this, like, I don't have any problems, man. I mean, come on. Like we paint this, you know, like we just kind of paint over it and we, we turn it white and Jesus actually uses that. You're like whitewashed walls to the Pharisees. Like you're just wretched sinners that are trying to cover it up. You're trying to pretend that you don't have problems. And Jesus is looking at us saying, do not judge, but instead recognize that you are a wretched sinner. You're a bad person. You've done so many stupid things. But God has died so that they could be removed from your life. You see, if you're a person who pretends, and there's so many people who do this, if you pretend that you are just got it figured out and that life's never been a problem and that it's not a big deal and your, your sins aren't even that important, but everybody else's sins are really bad, then, then you are like, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. That's the truth. 
I think I think, and this is probably I'm probably gonna offend people, and I'm sorry, and I don't mean to, and this is not a political statement at all. But but the, it's, it was just it was too good not to share, and I didn't even put it in my notes, but I thought about it. I mean, there was like the image of President Obama saluting with the coffee cup in his hand, and then and then Republicans just got super angry, and I'm sure that three fourths of our church were up in arms, you know, and listening to the radio and watching C, uh, Fox and just super excited about. It. But then they show the picture of George Bush saluting with the dog in his hand, right? And, and, and you're like, wait a minute, time. I don't think it's good on either of their parts, to be honest with you. That's not a political statement. I, I think that it didn't show much respect, at least caught on camera. It could have been different in real life. But think about how hypocritical it is to be like, well, our guy, our guy would never do that. Well, he did. It's on camera. Or there, you know, and that's, I think that defines hypocritical. Like, I would never, like, how dare you? I can't believe you. It's like, you were the ridiculous person in this one. And politics is just the easiest way to see it because every time a Republican does something, Democrats scream, and then when the Democrats do the same thing, they act like it's not a big deal. And, just so you know, vice versa, so that nobody gets mad at me. Goes both ways on that end. And I think that's kind of what Jesus is saying about being a hypocrite. Like, if you're acting like you have it all together, and you're trying to tell other people that they don't, then you're just a hypocrite. But instead, remove the plank and remember that you are a person who is only saved by grace. Paul says it this way in Romans 2, 1 through 4. He's just straight up about it. This is so, so good. Romans 2, 1 through 4. You therefore have no excuse who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? And check this part out. This is so key. This is key to everything I want to say today and everything I want you to hear and I think what God really wants for our church. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Paul says when you are walking around pretending that you've had no problems and everybody else is bad and you're making a decision about who is good and who is bad and you're punishing people, then you have forgotten the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus that led you to a point, if you are a Christian, a point in life where he said, I am the only way that you can be saved. Accept me and your sins can be wiped away forevermore. When we're like, I got it figured out, but you don't. I got it figured out, but you're a bad person. I got it figured out, but let me show you a little bit of punishment here to fix you. Then we're like, hey, Jesus, don't care about that cross thing. I'm the good guy. I'm the one who has it figured out. It has nothing to do with the fact that you saved me, that you paid for my sins. I can remove all the planks by myself, and I have. Look at me. Jesus is making pretty clear here. That if we pretend and act like nothing's wrong with us, then we're judgmental. But when we're looking at Jesus saying, Jesus, 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 you have saved me. And I thank you for that. I'm going to try to help this other person with the things that are going wrong in their life. Then we're not. We're not. I mean, it's funny. Jesus was not funny. 
powerful, I guess, that Jesus was nailed to two logs so that we might have the log, the plank taken out of our eye. But sometimes when we remove them, we run around going, look what I've fixed, look what I've fixed, look what I've fixed. And we forget about the cross that he died on 2,000 years ago. Man, if you want to be a person who's not judgmental, then just remember every day that if there's any good in you, it comes from a relationship with Jesus. Now, this has some application, I mean, to people who aren't Christians even. I mean, I could say the same thing. If you want to, if you want to not be a judgmental person, then, then Jesus' advice is still intelligent. I mean, remember where you've come from. Remember that you've been either privileged in a certain area or that you haven't always been privileged. I was in Walmart the other day, and I was feeling pretty judgmental, as I do when I go into Walmart sometimes, to be honest with you. And then I came out and got in my own car. And I was like, dang, what a giant plank. (laughs) You know? And it's really hard just to be a judgmental person when you look at others through the lens of your life and the things that you've done and where you've come from. When I'm feeling judgmental, I just remember the things that I've done so badly in my life. And I remember who I am, man. I remember who I am, just a kid that's, that's gone through a lot, that's grown up and been saved by Jesus over and over and over again. You don't want to be a judgmental person? Then you got to look at yourself and realize how, how bad you can really be. That anything anybody else is doing, whether they're locked up in prison or here, you could have done it too if circumstances would have been different. You know, this is important. One thing that every person needs to hear is that you can't remove the planks apart from Jesus. And ultimately, you will face the judgment of God. And I, I just, I want you so desperately to hear this. I want every, I hope you share this sermon online because I want every person to hear this. You can run around your whole life calling Christians judgmental and using that as an excuse to not become a Christian. Oh, they're just so judgmental. They're just so judgmental. They're so hypocritical. But it doesn't matter. Ultimately, you will be judged in every way by God. And the thing that will decipher what side of that judgment you come out on will be whether or not you decided to be a Christian. So stop looking around for people that rightfully are being judgmental, have planks in their eyes and they're trying to get the speck out of yours and don't see that they are just as bad as you in certain areas. Don't blame them. Come to Jesus who died. Come to Jesus so that when you're judged for eternity, you come out on the right side of it. I'm not disregarding the fact that lots of Christians have giant planks in their eye and they're trying to get little specks out of everybody else's eyes. I'm on Facebook just like you. I listen to the TV preachers just like you. I've been around Christians probably more than you. I get it. There's lots of Christians like that out there. But they're not doing what Jesus says. Don't let them keep you from following Jesus and getting into heaven another part Christians so key it's so 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 key that you don't condemn you don't punish you don't decide who is right and wrong but instead you lovingly help people remove sin from their eyes from their lives there's a big big difference 
I've known a lot more Christians who are willing to condemn, who are willing to post to Facebook about the things that they think are wrong, who are willing to even preach about it, but aren't actually willing to help somebody else remove their sin. And it's time, it's got to change. I mean, that is not, Jesus doesn't say like, hey, tell everybody how bad they are. Jesus says, help people remove their sins. Some of us don't do it because we're not courageous enough. Like, I'm super scared. It's not, it's, we've bought into this lie of culture. We really have. Well, if I tell them about their sin, I'm going to be judgmental. Nope. The Bible makes clear that it's your job to go to that person one-on-one and say, hey, you're doing something wrong. Sin blurs our lives. We've all been there, right? Where we just can't get above it because we're doing stuff wrong every day and it perpetuates us doing stuff wrong the next day and we just can't see that there's a better way. And Jesus is saying, it's Christian's job. It's, it's our job as Christian people to help others do the right things. This is huge, man. I mean, like, like if you think about it, like if we can just admit our own faults, and work to remove the sin in our lives, and then try to help other people, it changes everything. I already mentioned the way we treat our spouse. So many marriages would be fixed by this principle. I mean, how many of us that are married in this room have entered into a conversation with an attitude that says, I have it figured out, I'm awesome, I can't believe that you're this way. I just can't believe that you would do that. And then when they're like, your spouse is like, well, you did it last week. Like, How dare you have a memory like that? In our premarital counseling session, you know, they said not to do like. I mean, think about just how you would be with other employees in your work if you took on this attitude. I mean, you would just like, I mean, so many times we look at other people like, oh, they're not a hard worker. They're not like me. But what if we just, we just saw through our own eyes those moments where we've been lazy and where we have not been such good employees and where we've cheated the company out of time and then, you know, we didn't let them stay in it, but we treated them with the love that we ourselves have been treated with. What about like your kids? I think sometimes in our, in, in your, I should say, because I'm not a parent, relationship with your kids, it's really easy to just like punish them, discipline them because they're just so bad right now. They've done something wrong. But what if you just applied this and said, look, when I discipline you, it's because I want to help you remove something from your life that is not good. But man, I was a kid just like you once. I've done a lot of stupid stuff. I mean, so many parents, I I just have seen it over and over and over again, treat their parenting like I'm awesome and I need to fix you. And then what kids just run away from that. My parents were so judgmental. People run from church because they had parents that went to church that were like that. They're out of there. I mean, what if we just treated others in our church this way and we didn't ignore their sin, but we remembered ours and said, I'll help you out of yours if you'll help me out of mine. It's really the the driving force behind what Jesus says here. I'll help you out of yours if you'll help me out of mine. What if we just had a church culture where we could say, "Hey, hey, man, I'm wretched sinner, messed up a ton, but you're doing something. I want to help you with it. And just as a final kind of note, what if we could learn? And this is, I just, please hear this if you hear nothing else and you're a sinner like me. What if we could just remember and learn that not every time that somebody comes to you and says you're doing something wrong, they're doing it because they're being judgmental. 
What if we could just have in our heads that sometimes when people come to you and they say, hey, this is not good, this doesn't look good, this is not good for your life, we could look back at them and go, wow, they love me and they care enough to have a conversation with me. The defense mechanism just goes up, boom, like, oh, judgmental, judgmental, I'm not going to hear it. But what if we could be like, wow, I took some guts. It took some guts for them to come and talk to me about this, and they did it with a really good attitude. They want to help me in this sin. They want to help me. I would tell you that the majority of people in our congregation, I won't speak for the rest of Christians, if they call you out on a sin, it was not something they looked forward to all day. Sweet, I get to tell them that they're doing something wrong, and it's because they cared and loved you enough to have that conversation with you. So here's Jesus' formula A little bit of alliteration. When it comes to helping people remove specks from their eye, when it comes to helping people who are blurred by wrong decisions, then this is is what you ought to do. You, You ought to review yourself, first of all. Look at your motivations. Look at your reasons for caring about that person's sin. Then you ought to work to remove sin in your life. doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means that you're working to remove your own sins, maybe different sins, And then you remember your salvation, that Jesus died to remove this from your life. Review self, remove sin, and remember your salvation. Will you close your eyes and pray with me? Lord, I thank you that you have saved me. And I don't deserve, I don't deserve anything that I have. I don't deserve any of the grace and the kindness that you have bestowed upon me. And I mean that as far as salvation goes, but I mean that, Lord, also in regards to just the wife you've given me, the house I live in, this wonderful church, God, that is moving forward all the time. It's real cool, God, to look back on life and just see how I've messed it up, but you you have saved me. I pray, God, that we, as a church, as Christians all over this country, would stop being judgmental. Lord, that we would stop, please, God, determining who is right and wrong in our minds. And we would stop trying to punish people that disagree with us. But instead, God, we would look inside ourselves, remember your grace, and then help other people remove sin. Jesus, if there's, if there's people in front of me that are judgmental, that are punishing, that are, that are really looking at others as bad because they don't like what they're doing, I pray you just change it right now, Lord, that you would just change it, God, in their hearts. I ask, Lord, that for this congregation specifically, that we would have a culture of helping each other remove sin. Not a culture where we act like sin doesn't exist, where we run around with planks in our eyes, God, but a culture where we can lovingly, because we have looked at ourselves. We've reviewed ourselves, God, and where we've, where we've removed sin and where we're remembering your salvation. We lovingly help others 
whose eyes, whose lives have been blurred by being disobedient. You, God, for people that, that don't know you, they're here this morning or who will listen online later, Lord. And I know that will happen, God. I pray that you would remove the excuse of judgmental, hypocritical Christians of which we are sometimes, God, and you would cause them to just give their lives to you, Lord. And I pray, God, that we would have, as Christians, the words to lead them to you. But God, it's your spirit that leads people to repentance, to salvation, God. And so I pray that you would do that. God, let them not be hypocrites. Let them not be judgmental. But instead, the non-Christians who are listening to me right now, I pray, God, would recognize that they have some planks that need removing. And they would recognize that the only way to remove them is to allow them to be nailed to your cross, God. Where you died for all of our sins. We thank you for that, Jesus, that you died for us. Pray every person would know what a relief it is to have sin removed. Love you, Lord. I pray these things in your name. Amen.